Welcome to the podcast, Vandermeer's View, and we've got a good one for you. Matt Taylor, voice of the Colts, who took over for Bob Lamey. Last time we had him on, we got into the circumstances around that. We don't need to rehash that, do we? Andre Ware is going to join us as well to talk about the Colts and the Texans in nine in a row. And also Patty Smith with her great story on President George H.W. Bush. Hey, Freddy's Frozen Custard, they've got a great story. Twelve locations, three new ones just opening up. Full Shear, Kingwood and Porter, the new food truck, custom designed to bring the steak, burgers, fries, and frozen custard you love right to your event. Freddy's Original Double Steak Burger is a real game changer. Well, Matt Taylor is a game changer. Voice of the Colts, I had a chance to visit with him. Matt, last week, a weird game, and I'm sure that the coaches are telling the players, ignore that, but I know the Colts can't ignore it, so you tell me what happened in a 6 nothing perplexing loss at Jacksonville. Yeah, it was an incredibly sloppy game. I mean, the teams combined for 476 yards of offense. Uh, there were 13 punts, three turnovers, 139 yards and penalties. I mean, it was like watching football in the 1940s. Uh, the Colts just could not move the ball consistently uh, against the Jaguars. They got inside the 40-yard line five times, but, uh, you know, a key penalty or, uh, you know, a drop pass or a key defensive play by Jacksonville would knock the Colts out of field goal range. Plus, the Colts were uh, incredibly bad in key situations. They were 5 out of 18 on third down. They were 0 out of 3 on fourth down, including going for it on fourth and goal from the two-yard line. Uh, in the in the second quarter, um, it was just a, a bad game uh, all around for the Colts, and it's something they have to flush out pretty quickly if they have uh, any notions of staying inside the playoff race. Because that was a, I mean, listen, that was a devastating blow for the Colts as far as their playoff chances are concerned. Because, I mean, they're fighting right now tooth and nail with a handful of other teams to get into that sixth seed, if you will, in the AFC with uh, Baltimore seven and five, but there's a slew of other teams at 6-6, six and six, including the Colts. So this is a gotta-have type of game for the Colts if they want any aspirations of hanging around and ultimately making the playoffs. Colts play-by-play voice Matt Taylor joining us. Matt, everyone asks me, what's the key to the Texans' turnaround from 0-3? What's the key to the Colts' turnaround from 1-5? I think for me, they have a winning formula this year, and it all, it all goes back to their running game. You know, Andrew Luck attempted a whopping 52 passes last week and he only threw for 248 yards. And I actually looked it up. So the running game is really good when they win, and then when they don't, it struggles. So it's a direct correlation. In six wins this season, the Colts are averaging 30 rushing attempts. In six losses, the number is 18. And when the Colts win, they're averaging 141 yards of rushing. And when they lose, that number is only 72. So they got to get Marlon Mack going. That offensive line has to have a push. And it's been proven when Andrew Luck is, you know, relied upon to throw it 45, 50 times a game, uh, the Colts have a hard time winning. So they have to be able to generate some sort of rushing attack against Houston coming up on Sunday. Otherwise, it's going to be tough sledding like the numbers have proven. How has the offensive line played better? How have they come together through the course of the season, Matt? Well, first of all, I mean, the, the, the actual talent up front is so much better compared to years past. I mean, right now the Colts currently, uh, as far as their makeup goes, along their offensive line, they have four top 40 picks in their respective draft classes. You have Anthony Costanzo, a first-round pick dating back to 2011. You've got Quentin Nelson, the sixth overall pick in 2018, maybe the best 
interior offensive lineman to come out in the draft in a couple of decades. You got Ryan Kelly, who's banged up a little bit, but if he starts on Sunday, of course, he's a first round draft pick. And then at right tackle, you've got Braden Smith, a second round pick. He's a rookie in 2018. So just the talent itself is better. But I think the scheme overall helps the offensive line, and it's really helping Andrew Luck. It's kind of a fast-paced, get-rid-of-the-ball-quick type of West Coast offense. Uh, Andrew Luck is doing a much better job of uh, – not that he was doing a bad job in years past, but there's no more five- and seven-step drops. You know, rarely do you see that this year. It's it get rid of the ball quickly. The receivers are winning the one-on-one matchups. Plus, the Colts tight ends have done a great job this year of getting open and taking the pressure off of the receivers. And Andrew Luck has done a great job of feeding those guys, kind of like their security blanket. Eric Ebron has 12 touchdowns this season, 11 receiving. So I think all in all, everything, the talent plus the scheme, plus just guys getting better and more comfortable in this you know, first-year offense under Frank Reich is all combining for this offense and the protection to be pretty good. Matt Taylor, voice of the Colts, joining us on Texans Radio. What about the Indy defense through this run back into contention? I know last week didn't go well as far as the result, but you still held the Jags to six points in the course of the game. Yeah, I mean, say what you want about the Jaguars. They're still an offensive team, right? Excuse me, they're still an NFL team. So uh, during this during this last three-game stretch, the Colts defense has played pretty good. They're giving up only 13 points per game in their last three. Darius Leonard, the rookie, uh, another second-round pick, continues to play uh, just out of his mind. Great football. He's a sideline-to-sideline guy. They're getting good push up front. You know, coming into the year, we had no idea what the Colts' pass rush was going to look like and how effective it was going to be. And I would say for the most part, that unit has exceeded expectations. They're getting a decent pass rush consistently, but they're also generating a lot of tackles for loss. They have 71 tackles for loss in the season. That's second in the NFL. Uh, Danico Autry, who's played inside, he's played outside. He had three sacks last week. The Colts defense has three players with at least five and a half sacks. I know that doesn't really compare to what you guys have in Houston with, you know, Watt and Clowney, um, but they're doing a, a pretty good job. And this is a very young defense. Um, they're kind of learning on the fly. Again, another first-year defensive coordinator, Matt Eberflus. So I think that unit has kind of finally started to settle in, and it's going to be relied upon big time the last quarter of the season. It's, it, they need to start making stops, get more turnovers. They have a turnover in every single game. Uh, so they're very opportunistic, but they do give up a, a high completion percentage. They do give up a lot of yards, but they're a bend-but-don't-break unit where they're pretty decent inside the red zone as well. Matt, Frank Reich, he's getting rave reviews around the league for being aggressive, and certainly this turnaround is impressive. Even when they weren't winning, a lot of people were raving about Frank Reich and making a lot of teams probably think, why didn't they tab him as a head coaching candidate a lot sooner? What are you seeing in Frank Reich in his rookie head coaching season? I think he's just very comfortable in his own skin. Uh, I, I think he is he's like the same guy, whether they're up, you know, 10 points or down 15 points. He's got the same demeanor. And it's really impressive for me to be around him and to work with him on how much uh, he delegates to other people and how much he trusts other people um, to help make decisions. And, you know, you talk about this game plan pot. There's a lot of different ingredients that go into a game plan uh, on a given week. And people are uh, contributing to that uh, more so than I thought they would. So he's a very open-minded guy. Uh, he talks uh, very openly with uh, Nick Sirianni, their offensive coordinator. So they kind of collaborate and, and formulate an offensive game plan every week. 
I think it's just remarkable how well Andrew Luck has adapted to Frank Reich so quickly. You know, Andrew has had four different offensive coordinators in seven years, and he just seems to be the most comfortable with Frank in, in this offense for whatever reason. So he's, he's you know, the real deal. Um, you know, he's a very sharp guy, very football intelligent, but he's just down to earth too, comfortable in his own skin, like I said. And um, he is just, uh, he's just a genuine, a very genuine person. And everybody seems to get along with him. And I think in turn, a lot of guys um, don't have a hard time playing for him and laying it all out for him, especially with how aggressive he is and how much he wants to win early and not making any excuses for that. Matt Taylor, voice of the Colts, joining us on Texans Radio. The fan base, how are they responding? Have they settled into this that it's going to be a little bit of a process here? Of course, used to all the success with Peyton Manning and Andrew Luck in the early years, and then obviously some tough times after that. But this year, some promise. How are they reacting? Yeah, I think for the most part, the fan base realizes what the Colts are trying to do here. They they understand Chris Ballard's approach to this, the general manager. You know, it's we're, we're going to draft well. Uh, we're not going to sacrifice winning, but we're going to build this thing through the draft. And he was very open last year in saying, before we do anything, we have to fix the trenches. We have to get this right, you know, uh, in the foundation. We have to fix the offensive line, and we have to fix the defensive line. I think the offensive line is is pretty much on the right track. The defensive line still has a little bit of ways to go. But I think that's where the next draft class is going to be focused on. Um, Just, I think, defense in general is where they're going to prioritize some things here coming up. You know, they haven't been very uh, active in free agency. So I think the fan base understands it's going to be, you know, one or two more years before they get this thing where they want it to be, where they think they can really compete and, and be one of the upper teams in the AFC. But it's been fun to see this team grow. I mean, a five-game winning streak after starting one and five. They had a ton of injuries. So to see them kind of right the ship and be ahead of schedule a little bit more so than than what some people thought has been fun. And I think you're starting to see the fan base come back a little bit. You know, during the month of November, we had those three straight home games, similar to what you guys have going on right now. Each week, the attendance got better. It got a little bit more and more. It got louder in key situations. So the fan base is starting to buy in to, you know, what they're trying to do here, how they're trying to build it. And they're being respectful of that, um, knowing that if they get it right, if they do it right, you could have a juggernaut, a team that can be a top three team in the AFC in the long haul as long as you have a healthy Andrew Luck. Matt Taylor, voice of the Indianapolis Colts. Now let's get to Patty Smith and her story about George H.W. Bush, her most memorable career moment. Before we do that, the Texans spent countless hours prepping for game day, and that's why they rely on Bose Quiet Comfort 35 Headphones 2. That's Bose Quiet Comfort 35 Headphones 2 to block out distractions and focus on what matters most. The powerful noise-canceling technology helps you do the same. Concentrate on your music, your work, or your games, or whatever you're passionate about with the QC35 Wireless Headphones 2. Bose.com slash Texans for more info. Bose, the exclusive sound of the Houston Texans. Here's Patty on her great memory of 41. Well, I've interviewed him many times, and the you know post I put on Facebook, I, I think, kind of summed it up for me the most. As many times as I've interviewed him, and I, I always did opening day with him, and he was always gracious, whether it was here with the Texans, whether it was with the Astros, whether it was during the rodeo. Uh, for some reason, he always made time for me uh, mm-hmm. to interview him, even when he stopped doing interviews. 
and uh, there was one particular game. It was opening day during the seventh inning stretch. Um, I helped him stand up. Barbara had left. Uh, I did my interview, and he asked me to stay and sit and watch the game with him. So I did. I sat there for a couple innings. Jack Ingram came out to sing God Bless America during the seventh inning stretch. I helped him up. Uh, you know, by the hand, mm-hmm. and uh, we stood there holding hands during the singing of God Bless America. And I remember at that moment thinking, this is something someday I would tell my grandkids about. And far and above, if anyone ever says the most memorable moment of my career, that's what comes to mind. And that's what I thought about, and that's what I posted this week. There's Patty Smith with a great memory on George H.W. Bush. Now let's get to my buddy Andre Ware on the game that's going to happen on Sunday and the game that was, and the whole scene around the National Football League and beyond. Dre, you said it from the get-go. Andrew Luck is the kind of player who's going to bounce back, and he's dangerous. He looked very dangerous in the first meeting between these two teams, and he's been extremely dangerous this season. Last game, not so much, but we don't really think about that too much, do we? How much stock do you put in what just went down between the Colts and the Jaguars? You know, I think it was a, a tough road game for the Colts and, and a team that was against a team where their backs were against the wall uh, in Jacksonville with a, a point to prove, especially with the defense. And so when you, you start to take a look into it, it just they got caught at uh, just the right time. And uh, I, I don't know that uh, I would put a lot of stock in it other than sometimes that happens in the NFL where a team just – has a week like that where you don't have the answers, the ball's being turned over, every break and every uh, loose ball's going the other way and against you as as a team. I think that's exactly what happened with Indianapolis last week in Jacksonville. When you look at Luck, Dre, what are you seeing at this point in his career from him? Uh, a significant amount of maturity, uh, the face, obviously, of their franchise and a guy that is the unequivocal leader of their football team. I see a healthy player that is uh, continued to get better each and every week. Maybe And, and as a quarterback, you're going to have one of those games. Every, every team has one of those games. And, and I can give you a quick example of New Orleans, where they're just rolling along, and all of a sudden they run into – the Cowboys on a Thursday night and everything that can go wrong does go wrong. Well, that happened for Andrew uh, in a game this past Sunday. So you are looking at, and I've had it happen. You're looking to get back on the field as quickly as possible. You're looking to get yourself back in a game as quickly as possible to try to rectify the situation. And uh, they would like nothing more than to come here and stop a nine game winning streak. So as a Texans player and you're not one, but you can relate to, the situation, how are they looking at the Colts? They're probably not putting too much stock into just what just happened in North Florida, right? No, not at all. And I think they, you know, if you're smart, and I I think Coach O'Brien does a a great job in relaying the message that um, things happen in the NFL and that on any Sunday, I know know it's kind of cliche-ish to say it, but on any given Sunday, any team could literally beat the other. And I don't care who that team is and how many games they've lost uh, that's why it's hard in the NFL. To, it's really hard to go 0-16. You're going to eventually get somebody or you're going to catch somebody sleeping where you at least win one game or so. But uh, I, I don't think they're overlooking the Colts whatsoever. I'm glad this game at this point in the season during this type of run is uh, is in NRG 
and uh, and at home for the Texans because the Colts are a dangerous team. We've been saying that for weeks, and uh, and I still feel the, the exact same way. First time since 2009 that the Texans have played the back end of the season series here at home, and that's that's a really great thing for this team right now, like you said. So Deshaun Watson, what about his development? Here we are late in his second season, only started six games his first season, but what's your latest report card on him? Well, I think uh, when if you go through and you look at the entire body of work, I think, honestly, he was trying to pick off, pick up, I'm sorry, where he left off in 2017 and the, being the dynamic player, and I'm going to show everybody that I'm back and I'm healthy and I can do these magical things. And he was maybe overplaying, if that makes sense. And then once he realized, you know what, I got enough talent around me, maybe I'm not quite all the way back to where I was. Let me just take a step back and allow the other guys around me to do their part as I as I get myself uh, closer to 100%. Do I think he's there now? Absolutely. Uh, do I think the other guys have benefited uh, in the offense, especially the skill position players, because of the approach that he's taken? Absolutely, because as a quarterback, it is your job to relay that message that you are totally reliant on what's around you. I can't be successful unless you guys are. And once that trust is built, it allows everybody to flourish, including Deshaun Watson. So I think that's where he is. And now being 100% healthy and back all the way back, uh, we're starting to see exactly what he can do and who he really is as a player. Dre, the Texans really haven't been in any kind of situation similar to this since, I think, 2012. You have four games left in the regular season. There are a whole lot of possibilities out there for first-round buy potential, but they're going to need help for that. The best way they can help themselves is to continue to win. Bill O'Brien keeps saying, don't take the cheese. What about the way they have to approach this thing? I think we all agree that they got to take it one game at a time. For the rest of us, we get kind of antsy and sort of look down the road. What do you think? Yeah, the rest of us don't have to put a mouthpiece in and button up a face, uh, a, a chin strap, and and put on pads and and things of that sort. So we can we uh, we're afforded the luxury of being able to kind of look down the road, so to speak, and and kind of play the whatever game or what if game. But uh, if you're a player in that locker room or a coach on that staff, it is just that. It's like let's take one game at a time. And here's an example for you. The Colts are rolling along. They put together a winning streak of their own, and look what happened. Maybe they started looking down the road to the Texans and underestimating the Jags. Look at what happened to New Orleans. They were putting up points on everybody, and then they ran into Dallas, maybe overlooking the Cowboys en route to whomever else is on the schedule. So there are plenty of examples of why you should take it one week at a time. Lock in on this game plan and this game plan only. And, uh, and do just that. One game, one week, one game at a time. All right, so Tennessee loses to the Texans on Monday Night Football. They bounce back with the win over the Jets. They got it late, but they got it. And then you have Jacksonville coming off this weird 6 nothing win over the Colts. Those two teams play Thursday night, Tennessee and the Jags. What do you think of that matchup? Because if the Jags help the Texans beat the Titans, there's a chance to clinch the division on Sunday. Your thoughts? Yeah, I think there's a pretty good chance of that happening if we if you get the Jags that uh, that played the way they played Sunday against the, the Colts. And now there are the other Jags as well, where um, you know Cody Kessler could 
could basically uh, try to do a little bit too much offensively and not rely on the running game and the defense. And all of a sudden he's exposed and things go the other way. Tennessee, it, this is really a toss up game. It really is. And uh, I'm not sure that uh, the Tennessee is, is ready to fold up the tent on the season and they're going to play hard and continue to play hard and fight. And uh, I think Jacksonville is playing for pride at this point where they uh, they're going to put up some resistance. So this will be a good one to kind of keep our eye on. What do you think of the Chargers after beating Pittsburgh the other night? They look pretty good. Your thoughts on them? Yeah, yeah, they really did. They do a nice job without even without Melvin Gordon in the lock in the uh, in the lineup of, uh, of of orchestrating a running game, somewhat some semblance of a running game, and then Philip Rivers is just you know being himself. I think he's having one of his best seasons, even at his age. Uh, that I've seen him have in quite some time. So he spreads the ball around, multiple receivers are, are catching the ball, he's getting the tight ends involved, uh, and the defense is is, is giving just enough uh, to where they can win football games. So that's not a team that a lot of people are looking to play, even at this point or uh, as we get closer to uh, to the start of the playoffs. Okay, in the Academy Sports and Outdoors Texas Bowl, you got Baylor and Vanderbilt going at I, I was going to say Army, but they're playing the Cougars. I want to get your thoughts on that one in a moment. So Baylor and Vanderbilt here at NRG Stadium, December twenty seventh. Dre, what do you think? Yeah, it's a. It's, I think it's a good matchup. It's a you know a tough SEC opponent and Vanderbilt who just seems to give everybody problems against an offense that is uh, more wide open, uh, kind of uh, down the field in your face, push the pace and push in the tempo style in Baylor. So it's a good. Uh, kind of clash of styles type of game that uh, I think the fans here in Houston are, are going to really, really enjoy. And I know there are lots and lots of uh, both alumni groups in the city of Houston, both Vanderbilt as well as Baylor. Is Vanderbilt going to retire your headset at the half because you're the unofficial <laughs> voice of the Commodores all yeah, these years? Yeah, I mean, this is the first time in quite, quite a, a number of years that uh, I didn't get to call a Vanderbilt game, but I'm always reaching out to uh, – to Derek Mason, their head coach, who I, I mentioned the other day, we've gotten to be pretty good friends in this business. So uh, I have a lot of respect for him and the job that he does there. They uh, they do a lot with less at uh, at Vanderbilt, and, and uh, it's a credit to uh, to his his ability to coach and and motivate and bring in just the right players to fit what they need to do to win games there. Ticketmaster has your tickets to that one. Now, quickly, what about the Cougs and Army in the Armed Forces Bowl? Yeah, this is this is a tough uh, kind of a a uh, a tricky game for the for the Cougs. The one thing I would say that works in their favor is that they get 15 practices to get ready for this game, and so <clears throat> without maybe using the bowl practices as a developmental kind of a developmental. Uh, stage or however you want to say it for play younger players to grow you actually have to use the 15 practices to get ready for army and what they do with a triple option because mm. the Cougs were uh, uh not as didn't play quite as well against the run as they wanted to late later in the year and army can certainly present problems uh, a big set of problems in that regard because of the triple option style so it's uh, it's 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 a lot to wrap your hands around. Even though 15 practices seems like a lot of time, it's really not when you start to face 
an offense that uh, that's capable of what they're capable of doing. Well, it's, it's got to be hard to scout team it, right, to do that properly so you can get a really so good look is. at I it. I mean, that, that's where you don't get the proper work. And the guys that coach that style of offense, you start, you know, getting a beat on one thing and they're able to kind of flip a switch and get to something else uh, quickly but make it look the same, if that makes sense. So that's kind of the match, uh, the chess match inside of a, a chess game that uh, that is played uh, between both sidelines, and uh, it, it is hard to get a beat on it. It's hard to stop it, especially if you allow the fullback in that offense to get itself going. Because if he's having a good day, then there's a pretty good chance that Army's entire offense is going to have it. Dre, thanks so much for the time. We'll see you Sunday. Appreciate it. Thanks, buddy. That's my buddy Andre Ware. All right, that's going to do it for the Vandermeer's View podcast. Check out all the other podcasts here on HoustonTexans.com, wherever you got this one or wherever fine podcasts are available. Have a great day, everyone, and go Texans!